killer trees, man. It's filmed in front of a live studio <laughs> audience. <laughs> Wait, no, it's not. Okay. All right, that's Miguel Garcia. Welcome to Killer Trees. Welcome to Killer Trees, man. <laughs> I am your host, Maria Sixos. And I am your co-host. Uh, I'm not going to say my Christian name on here. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are um, you a Christian? I don't think you're a Christian. Love is my religion. <laughs> I am a co-host, Miguel. Thank you for tuning in to Killer Chisme. Episode dos. Yeah, this is our second episode. Uh, if you haven't heard our first episode, go ahead and check us out on Spotify. Just go ahead and look us up, Killer Chisme. Or you can go to Anchor. Check us out on there. Or our website, www.killerchisme.com. So, if you weren't here the first time... It's a lot of social media sites. Yeah, it is. Uh, sorry. Um, Good to keep up with it, man. All right. So, Killer Chisme is basically a Latinx-based podcast out of San Antonio, Texas. Donaldo. Yeah. So, we're going to be talking about a lot of local cases and then keeping you updated with local missing cases just to see if you have any tips or anything to help out local law enforcement. Since it is April... And usually in April, San Antonio celebrates one of, like, the biggest, what is it, like, festivals? Yeah, I guess. Is it a festival? No. Big event, Is it, like, say. one of the biggest events of the year, which is Fiesta. New Orleans Mardi Gras. You know, it's equivalent to that, I guess, to people who aren't familiar with it. Yeah, every time I tell people about Fiesta, they're like, the hell is that? It's pretty much made up, though, right? Like, where, we, are, you, where are you from, stranger? Like, we got, off, <laughs> we got off from school for it, didn't we? I remember, like, being off. Wasn't it, like, a, one of the parades or something? We'd be off that Friday or something? Oh, yeah, no. I think we were always off that Friday. No, because you were in band. You had to, like, perform in the parades, right? Yeah, but we were off Fridays. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure we were off Fridays. You just didn't go to school Friday. <laughs> I never went to school. Friday's just an extra weekend. That's day. why I have nightmares that I'm late for school. Oh man. I never went to school. I, I had See? a I had a nightmare it comes like back and it bites you in the ass. I had a nightmare pre COVID. I woke up. I'm like, Oh my god, I'm late for school. Wait. No. <laughs> it's, it's it's Saturday. And I'm thirty. What's I'm going 30. on? <laughs> so what do you have for us today? So this episode, our second episode, will be dedicated to a local girl who went missing during Fiesta. Her name was Mary B. Perez, and she was born in San Antonio, Texas. (laughs) 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 All right, this episode, we will be talking about the disappearance, well, abduction and murder of Mary B. Perez, who was a local young girl who went missing during Fiesta here in San Antonio, which is an annual celebration that... I don't even know what they Great food, to. cheap beer. Great <laughs> cheap beer. And yeah, a lot no, of sweaty bodies. Yeah, you get the, the Fiesta Sucia. Um, she comes out every year to, mm-hmm. per, to like come and perform for everybody, I guess. Never misses. It's just like Groundhog's Day. If you don't know, just Google it. I'm pretty sure it'll come up. But <laughs> yeah, that if she comes out, then it's like two more weeks of yesterday. <laughs> 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 All right, so this episode we'll be talking about a nine-year-old Mary B. Bettis who went missing in what is it, Market Square downtown? Market Square, yeah, yeah. It was April 1999, and San Antonio was celebrating their annual festival celebration. Everybody was like basically going around. I think it was the first day of Fiesta Week. So, 99, that's a big year too because the Spurs won the yeah, championship. Yeah, the Spurs won the championship. That's so what I, I was going to tell you. Yeah. So I, I, I can imagine like the, I wouldn't say tension, but the... It was that night. Yeah, I wouldn't say like tension, but the, the amount of like energy in the air. That night they won, she was, that day she went missing. Oh, man. It was the same day. So, yeah, so in April 1999... While everyone's celebrating Fiesta, Mary B. Perez was downtown with her grandmother, Mary Torres. They were basically just, I guess, walking around. My dad said, though, like, back then, the Market Square was basically for older people to go drink, go dance, and like listen to live I, music. It wasn't like, somewhere think, you took your kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think typically, So yeah. my dad was like, well, why was she there in the first place? But I'm like, dude, you had us out there, too, so why are you even talking shit? <laughs> Don't be judging others. I just heard, like, when I used to go, kind of tried to avoid staying under, under that bridge part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... The one that leads to the west side. Yeah, I mean, it, 
it was cool, but just you'll see fights break out, and more likely you did, and the cops came, and it got well, real that's, messy. Well, that's Fiesta in general. That if you, is if you've never been that's to it. Fiesta here in San Antonio, that's basically what it is. It's just a, a week-long celebration. It's like a Great lot of food. Yeah, a lot of food, alcohol, drinks. We have Battle of Flowers Parade, but it's like a big deal. It's pretty cool. If you've never been to San Antonio and done Fiesta, you should really... Do it. Just be careful because there's a lot of crazy people yeah, out there. Definitely. Even the locals know that. Watch yourself. At some <laughs> point, we stop going. But yeah. of course, with COVID, but the pandemic still going on. Yeah, there's not gonna be a fiesta this year. No, no. If it is, I think it's gonna be in November. November. Which, which is gonna be weird. Yeah. I was wondering if the heat played part of the way people acted down there because it is kind of hot and humid, mm-hmm. and then you're drinking. The hydration sets in. Yeah, and then they're like, I'm dehydrated. I'm going to go get a beer. But when it's hot, people get get irritable. Yeah. (laughs) So that day that the Spurs won, it was April 18th, 1999. April 18th, 1999? Yeah, a day before. My birthday. Yeah, your birthday. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. You would be nine, right? In 1999, I was going to turn nine. Okay. So, yeah, it's crazy. That's what I'm saying. It's so crazy. Like, it could have happened... Because she's a local girl. My mom was like, oh, she went to school with you. I'm like, I don't think she went to school with me. But she was nine years old, and I was nine at the time, too. Yeah. So, like I said, Mary B. and her grandmother were at the historic market square downtown of San Antonio. Somehow, Mary B. wandered off from her grandma and her family and disappeared. And no one saw her. There were literally, like, no witnesses I think they went around asking, and that's I, a lot of people, too. I thought at that time they would have had cameras and, like, inside the, the actual... It was 1999. Ma- but the marketplace, you know? Not not outside, but, but the I marketplace the, But back itself. then, I, wasn't the marketplace kind of... Like a flea market. I don't think they had cameras back then. I don't know. So she disappeared from Market Square. No one saw anything. There were no witnesses. Basically, it was a dead end. Cops couldn't really do anything other than get information about her life and stuff. So. Bad choice of words. What did you say? <laughs> Dead end. Oh, that's my bad. <laughs> that's, that's my bad. That's... <laughs> I like, didn't even think of that. Well, why are you ruining it? They don't know how it ends. <laughs> oh, small end for me too. Oh, man. All right, my bad. Cops couldn't do much except get information on Mary B. Bettis' home life and stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> because we were making faces. Mary B. Bettis was born April 7, 1990. Her family basically described her as a bright girl. She liked to dance. I guess she was just really friendly. I think they said her mom had her really young, so she was living with her grandma, and her and her mom would argue a lot, which mm-hmm. I could relate to because me and my mom argue all the time for, like, no reason. I feel like that's kind of the latinx the families are like that there's been a lot of relationships where i've seen where the the, the mother and the daughter butt heads a lot you know yeah i mean it's not always i guess something... you can see the same thing of sons and fathers too yeah you, you can, you can. Always... just uh it could be anything from thinking alike and you know clashing yeah and they said not agreeing with each other at all mary b's betta's family said that she was actually really smart and she would tell everybody she wanted to be called mary b not Mary or not Mary Beatrice, because that was her name. I could totally see her being sassy. <laughs> but yeah, her life wasn't a really good one. She was born on the west side of San Antonio, and her dad had died. He had been shot outside of a local bar on the west side Man. when she was like two years old. So then she was living with her mom. But neighbors said that her and her mom would argue all the time. And then I guess she eventually went to start go live with her grandma, Mary Torres who started raising her and taking care of her. And that's who she was with on the day she went missing from Market Square, which I can't imagine the guilt she holds for taking her out there, you know, just trying to go and have a good time or take her granddaughter out. And look away for a second. and Yeah, and I can't imagine all the judgment she got, too, for that. Oh, why would you even have her there? Oh, it was a Sunday. Why would you, you know, because a lot of parents might have was well, that was a Sunday, and y'all yeah, were during y'all were home because it was the first day of Fiesta, so it was oh, the okay. first Sunday of Fiesta. So okay. Market Square was popping. I'm guessing with music, food, it, drinks. It's a kickoff, you know? yeah. Man, I think during Fiestas, usually on Sundays, that's when it's like calm down. But that's usually at the end of Fiesta, you know. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's still it's still going on, but it's more for like the older crowd getting out during the day and stuff. Yeah. As far as what I can remember, they really didn't have any information other than digging into her family history, her family background, and there was no witnesses. There was no one who saw her, no one who heard her. So it took about a week later, and the man was fishing nearby. I think it was five minutes away from Market Square. And it was in Alizan Creek. You know where that is? I know exactly where that's at. Yeah, it's just, what's that highway? Is it 35 or 37? I have no idea where that's at. <laughs> I thought you said you knew where it's at. I've heard of some of these places. Okay, so, I'm yeah. Not, I do know where it's at. I'm just not familiar with which highway uh, is closest that runs through it. I want to yeah. say Highway 90 because I know that's kind of from, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. by Couples Road. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if, if 90 is closer or, or I-10. I believe it is. Yeah, I think it might be I-10. Man was fishing in the Alasan Creek, which is about a mile and a half away from where Mary B. went missing in Market Square. He discovered a small body of a child. It was decomposed, so it took a while to do an autopsy and check to find out the identification of the body, but it was identified as young Mary B. Pettis. According to the autopsy report, her body was so decomposed that sexual assault could not be determined, which is, that's what happened in... Erica Bodeo case, they said, the one from the first episode, they said basically remember, yeah. her body was so decomposed that they couldn't figure out if she was sexually assaulted. It was just kind of assumed. Yeah. So, I can only imagine the guy who found her, how that affected him after, you know? Yeah, it was like exactly a week. Oh, we didn't talk about it, but the day she went missing, yeah, that was the day the Spurs won the championship. So I remember going downtown honking with my family. We painted up the the suburban, saying "Ghost first go," and we went down. Because if you're not familiar, that's what we do in San Antonio when Wait, the first win. We paint, go downtown. You painted and your honk. Sub, you painted your suburban versus <laughs> making a sign. Like, <laughs> yeah, but no, you know the white how you paint. Oh, yeah. okay, that makes <laughs> no. sense. That makes sense. Okay, I thought like your dad just gave you spray cans. And says, no, hey, why would he right? do Ghost that? Right, go first go. I don't know. I, I, talk it, I took it out of context. I was talking about, like, you know, you celebrate like, like, when man, people graduate. Yeah. Right, with that makes sense. Shoe paint or whatever. Okay. Guys, I apologize. <laughs> Usually at 2.26 in the morning, Holy I am firing in all cylinders. <laughs> but today, my day off. Actually, a week, exactly a week after she went missing. So it was another Sunday. It was a Sunday, last day of fiesta. The guy was fishing in Alazan Creek where he discovered the body of Mary B. Pettis. Man, if he didn't go to church that day, I'm pretty sure he went sometime after. Oh my God, right? He's like, the one day I missed church for fishing. The one (laughs) fucking day. This was supposed to be my day. But I couldn't imagine him. He probably thought like, I feel like anytime anybody would see a small body, they're going to be like, that's probably a doll. Because that's what... I think they course, they, yeah. they rather think that than, than the real you, you, thing. Your mind they're like uh, doesn't, doesn't want to no, go there. No, no, that's a doll or maybe a dead animal, maybe, but it's not a kid because I refuse to believe it's a kid. I found a dead body once. No, you didn't. Okay, it was roadkill. It, it was a deer <laughs> on the side of the road, and that I kind of I kind of just drove by it. That doesn't count. Okay, it does not count. Okay. Did you make jerky out of it? I drove past it. Oh my god! Then why would you even bring it up? But in all honesty, that must be very traumatizing for the guy who had to, who had to find her body, and also for the man, for the people who who had to do those autopsies. Kudos to them because yeah, that like, that takes a, that takes a, one a strong stomach to do and years of experience. Yeah. But at the same time, like thinking of the, about the the crimes, you know, the crimes must always get to them. Yeah. Of how this person died, and being able like a puzzle, just uncover the clues of. Oh, yeah, if it wasn't for forensics, a lot of the crimes would not be solved. If it wasn't for forensics, if it wasn't for behavior analysis, profiling, if it wasn't for, like, a lot of resources we have now that we didn't have back then. Yeah, big shout-out to that community because yeah. it, takes, it takes a certain type of person to be able to handle that type of work. Yeah, definitely. So she was found, Mary B. Bettis was found only with her white Mickey Mouse. I it keep saying, like, Mickey Mouse Looney Tunes t-shirt. They said she was found just with her t-shirt and just one sock on. And she was found actually on, like, near old blue mattress that I guess someone threw there. 
The medical examiner did say that the cause of death was strangulation. What are you looking at? <laughs> yeah, you can hear her snoring. So if... I don't know if y'all can catch it, but one of our cats is totally snoring right now. <laughs> if you hear in the background, that's what it is. Yeah, sorry for our fat cat. Yeah, she got that mommy weight. She got that mommy weight. It's okay. It's okay. She's a single mother of three. Leave her alone. Since there was no witnesses, apparently no evidence, I would assume they took that mattress in and I would hope scrubbed so. it down and... For but if, if, it's, if it's in the creek, it's in the water, it's, it is contaminated by a But lot you've of, seen Alazan Creek. It's not even a creek. It's not even water. Yeah, I mean. It's mainly like grass and like two, three inches of water. I mean, still, it's still water. Like you literally I mean, just step in and you're like, fuck my shoe. But that's about it. Yeah. But granted, it's still, it's still a body of water, no, no matter how big it is. And, uh, yeah, and I guess there, who knows how many people, like homeless people. Yeah. So, due to the lack of witnesses, due to the lack of evidence, the investigation of Mary B's death was almost unsolvable. They couldn't catch a break. It was basically ruled a homicide, but they couldn't find her killer. They assumed it was somebody in town. Why would it be? I mean, it was Fiesta, so technically it could have been a drifter. What would you think? San Antonio is a big city. Yeah. I mean, uh, the people who live here, we all know it as a small town and a big city. Yeah. That, that's the way it feels. I've heard the term a lot. You know, it could have been somebody from here, too. It, it could have been a drifter. It could have been a number of things. Just, we live in a big city. Festivals like that, you know, like, the stories of people losing their kids at Fiesta, Texas, SeaWorld. My mom lost me to HB one time. <laughs> My mom lost me at a Walmart, and I was 14. I was in the card aisle. You know I love reading them. I'm, Where else I'm would sh- I be? I'm sure <laughs> if you're 14, it's not getting lost. It's choosing not to be found. <laughs> well, she did call me on the intercom like three times, but I fucking hear it. All right. So, it's not until nine months later that the police get a crack in the case. They were shocked to find out that Mary B. Bettis was sadly a victim of an unknown serial killer that was drifting state to state this is pretty crazy so that's more power to your drifting idea yeah this was just crazy because this guy traveled the day he killed mary b bettis which we'll get into when he confessed he does say like, he just hopped on a train went to a different town and sometimes station isn't too far from where downtown's at yeah i thought the i was on creek was further because it says it was behind the union stockyards no, you know what I'm talking about? I Over there, don't. kind of by the west side. Like, yeah, I, the, okay. Yeah. I, I know. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. They said I that was in, like the Alison Creek right behind there, that that's where her body was found. And then if we get a chance to go, maybe we'll take a picture of the location and put it on our Instagram. Or, like, I always want to get like, a visual of exactly a first time, where. A first time you know? look of, of the setting of the of, place. Like, where, yeah, because I would think you could see it off the highway and you would see anybody there. So how could you just not see of course. Was it that dark see, there? See like a I would think if it's behind the Union Stockyards, they'd have lighting all around. You know, like those big old sta- stadium lights. But it was 1999, too, but like you said about the cameras. So, this guy was apparently a serial killer. He went state to state, working as a carny, doing labor. So, when he was here for those Fiesta... damn carnies. <laughs> fucking carnies so when he get a real job I'm joking. <laughs> and if any carnies out there listening we're sorry for calling wait, you wait. carnies Am but I i'm pretty sure yeah i would it would be cool to have a carny life i would think you gotta be super shady yeah to just want to go well you gotta have like no family i mean nothing against not wanting to be found <clears throat> okay i would track my statement nothing against the carny life <laughs> just don't kill people yeah why, just you, don't why, be why you're doing it shit yeah, yeah. so this guy basically was going around, getting around, either stealing cars or hopping on trains. Which I can't believe that was such a real thing back then. Like, you just hop on a... It could be real Like, power. go run. Yeah, well, I didn't. I just don't think of that, you know? You remember the guy in high school who tried to hop on a train? Yes, I know. And then his leg got cut off. It was crazy. Was it both legs or one leg? I think it was just one leg. Oh, man. Don't hop on trains, guys. Don't hop on trains. Don't hop on trains. <laughs> You think, you think he's a pirate now? Can we make that as a sticker? Don't hop on trains. It's done. It's gonna be one of our slam. It's gonna be one of our little merch things. Don't hop on trains. But yeah, you will so, lose a leg. Yeah, or you're a serial killer. I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna say. It. I'm just gonna say. It. If you hop on trains, you're a serial. killer. I'm just gonna label you as a serial killer. Yes, I'm gonna generalize that much. All right. 
It wasn't until nine months later where they finally caught a break in the case of Mary B. Bettis' death. But it was about 150 miles away, west of San Antonio, near the border city of Del Rio, Texas, where a 10-year-old girl by the name of Crystal Searles was visiting her 13-year-old friend, Kayleen Joe Katie Harris. Friends called her Katie, so we'll just call her Katie. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> He's on the time, remember it. it? Got it. All right. Got it. All right. <laughs> so, Mental so, note. So Crystal was actually staying the night at her friend Katie's house because her dad and Katie's dad were hoping the Sorrels moved to San Antonio or something and they were bringing their furniture from, I think it was, like, Kansas City or something. Kansas City. Kansas. I, yeah. There were literally no men in the house. It was just the mom and the children. That night, it was actually December 31st, 1990. I think this was around midnight. Intruder came in through Katie Harris's window. He basically tried to start sexually assaulting her. She woke up. She tried to fight him off, and he pulled out a knife. And when he pulled out a knife, he was... Trying to tell her, like, be quiet, you know, just do what I say. Just be cool. Just be, hey, be cool. I don't know whose room this is. I <laughs> thought this was mine. <laughs> he took out the knife. He somehow cut Katie. She screamed, you cut me. Her friend, Crystal, which that's, I guess, when she woke up and heard her friend yelling with the intruder. The man then moved behind her and then just slit her throat. Her friend Crystal, who was actually on the top bunk, they had bunk beds, she was seeing the whole thing. This is all her testimony. She said after the man went behind Katie and sliced her neck, he continued to stab her in the throat 16 more times. And that's a lot of times. That's 16 times too many. Yeah, that's 16 times too many. They catch this guy? We're, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. It's, it's pretty crazy. Because I'm not, I am. It's crazy. So he then sees Crystal on the top bunk. Crystal's like, I'll be quiet. I promise. I'm not going to tell. And he lunged at her. And when he lunged at her, he cut her neck too. So he kind of like sliced it. And her neck was sliced open. Then the intruder just left. He ran. He's I'm out. And then just like booked it. Crystal played dead until he left. So she just stood there. But unfortunately, Katie Harris died right then and there on her bedroom floor. Crystal was able to play dead long enough to when he left, she ran to the neighbor's house and they called 911. And apparently, because they said it was in near Del Rio, Texas, so it was kind of like, I guess, country. So she actually ran a while. like was a, While bleeding? Yeah, while bleeding from her neck. You can just imagine how... She had to actually run, breathe. You think he's like staked out the house to see who is inside? See, this is what we were talking about the other day when we were driving around. When I was looking at people's houses, and I'm like, how do they choose? <laughs> how do they choose the house? We're gonna get into how he chooses the house and so. But I always wonder, how do you even know if they're awake? How do you even know if you're taking a big chance? Well, you know, sometimes when you people watch, you're like, what kind of lives do they live? It's kind of like the guy who goes up to those people and asks them about the car. Oh, that's a nice car, man. Uh, what do you do for a living? The Your mom. So- I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the way someone dresses, you know, where is their mind at? Yeah. To dress like that, whether it's nice, whether it's this. You get a little piece of information of them just by observing. You know, certain way they walk, certain way they talk, certain words they use in their vocabulary. Yeah. So or, like always- or walking from a distance, you know, just. That's why I don't talk to nobody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's why um, you won't, you won't, yeah. I just won't leave. People watch at Walmart, you'll see some crazy. We things. people watch all the time. We were people watching the other day. It was funny. Yeah, people. Some people a watch. Guy birds. fell on his face. I just watch people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not creeps. We just like to watch people. You're, you learn a lot from watching people. Yeah, of course. Like you, you know, would just, not, just observing. Yeah, and, but there's some sick people out there who just. Need to get a job. Exactly. So that's what this guy had. Obviously too much time. Didn't have education. We worked carny jobs, working labor work. He wasn't really doing much other than that. So yeah, so ran to the nearest neighbor, which was hundred yards, bleeding from her neck and called nine one one. 
she was able to get to the hospital and lived. She did suffer from a big laceration on her throat. And then you could see the picture. I'll probably put a picture of her up later on the Instagram. You basically see how big the laceration was and how she has a big old band-aid on her. I don't know. I think they had to do surgery on her. I'm pretty sure they had to do surgery on her. While Krista was in the hospital, cops came to interview her to get any information on what happened. She said that she tried to remain still and silent on the top bunk as she watched the intruder cut the neck of her friend, which I couldn't imagine how terrified she was, not even knowing if she was going to survive or not. She gave a description to the cops of the man that attacked her and killed her friend, and the man was later identified as a family friend of the Harris's that went by the name of Tommy Lynn Sells. Tommy Lynn Sells was arrested two days later on January 2nd, 2000. He admitted to killing 13-year-old Katie Harris and slashing Crystal's throat. But once he was arrested and interviewed, this guy started confessing about a bunch of crimes that he said he did. About between 20 to 30 murders, coast to coast. So, this guy has a Criminal Minds episode based off of him. Yeah, yeah. I had no Which idea. Which one is it again? Um, it's it, um... They called him the Coast to Coast Killer. Coast to Coast Killer. Or the Cross Country Killer. hmm Yeah, he was a pedophiliac, hebephiliac, necrophiliac, serial killer. That's, that's, that's a lot of neax. <laughs> E-X. Yeah, no. This guy was... Insane. Okay, we're gonna get into him. Oh, there's more to it. Here's a neck. There's a lot necrophiliac, serial killer, serial rapist, family annihilator, Mm -hmm. abductor, and robber who claimed to have murdered over 70 people. So he started confessing to a bunch of crimes about 30 murders coast to coast. One of those murders being the murder of Mary B. Bettis. We're gonna get into what he said happened. And it's really. I'm so confused about this guy because he'll talk about all the crimes he did. He'll brag about every crime he did, detail to detail, every single detail of the crime. But when asked about Mary B's death, he refuses to talk about it and says that he doesn't want to put her family through any more pain that they've already been through. So I don't understand why. If you're so open to talk about the other <clears throat> ones. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he does. So when he, we're going to get into his confession. I wonder if, if he saw the family. We're going to get into his confession right now. Well, yeah, of course he saw the family. The family came out on the news and was crying and, you know, begging for them, to, for their daughter to come home. Man, to see the scar on uh, Crystal's neck as she's older, it looks like she has... Like, two two lacerations. Yeah, he said, like, he went over. There's one. Yeah, he probably did try to. He probably went over this way and back this way, you know? Well, I'm, I'm glad she was able to survive that old deal. That's so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's crazy. She looks like a goddamn warrior with that scar, though. Looking yeah. like a Wonder Woman. She basically was Wonder Woman. Running to the neighbor's house with her throat slit. I can't imagine running trying to breathe like that. Start that petition. Crystal Searles as the new Wonder Woman. <laughs> right? Or Captain oh, Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Make her Captain San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. about it? When Tommy Lynn Sells is being interviewed for the murder and attack of two the two young girls in Rio, Texas, he ends up spewing about all the heinous crimes he ended up doing throughout his about 20 years of crimes. He's a criminal for about 20 years. So how many crimes did they get him for? Get him for it? Like what yeah. he actually was charged for? Yes. How, how many crimes was it? Or what he confessed it? about. Because he confessed about a lot of he crimes. He confessed a lot. Okay. Yeah. But how much was he actually, of it was he actually charged for? Where he they can was... actually, without his, I guess, confession, could they pin on him? So he actually gets charged for the death of Katie, of Katie Harris, the assault with intent to murder on Crystal Searles, and the death of Mary B. Bettis, the murder of Mary B. Bettis. So those three? Yeah. Out of the, all the ones he had confessed well, to? Well, he ends up confessing about them, but the thing is when he starts confessing about them, he's already basically on trial for those for Katie Harris's crime. 
So he goes on trial for Katie Harris's crime first and then comes back and then he has to get extradited here to Bear County. He goes on trial here. But we'll get into the sentences later. So, because we're going to get into all the confessions that he talks about. I and hope they gave him a warm welcome in prison. When Tommy Linso starts telling the Texas Rangers everything that happened of all the crimes he's committed, he even committed a crime. Basically, everyone was convinced that the mom did it and she was in jail. And she literally almost, I think, I don't know if they were, gave her life or death or, but she was in jail. And it wasn't until he confessed about the crimes that they were like, oh, okay, I guess he didn't do it. We'll let you out. It's just crazy. Because he's done so much. He's a real big piece of shit. So like I said, one of the confessions that he does make was about the abduction and the murder of the local San Antonio girl, Mary B. Pettis. Now, he gives a grim description of what he claims a friend of his did to nine-year-old Mary B. He says that he was with a friend in Market Square that day that Mary B. Pettis went missing. He says him and his friend Red were at Market Square that day. They found Mary B. Pettis crying, and she was saying she couldn't find her family. Tommy Lynn Sells then stated, while being in a drug-induced haze, his friend and him took the girl to a nearby creek, the Alazan Creek that we were talking about, where she was found, behind the Union Stockyard. Sells claims that he passed out and woke to his friend sexually assaulting the little girl. Says he passed out again, and then he woke up, and his friend was giving him oral and started fighting with him. He said, like, whoa, man, what the fuck? <clears throat> yeah. So he woke up, two men started fighting. That's when Sel said that his friend took off. And when his friend took off, he noticed that Mary B. Bettis was there just sitting, basically knees to chest, crying, just in her t-shirt with her little sock on, crying, begging for him not to hurt her anymore, saying that she wanted to go home to please don't hurt her anymore. That's when he said that he went behind the girl, he strangled her. The interview, I have the interview transcript. So this interview is basically his interview with the Texas Rangers about his confession about the death of Mary B. Bettis. Ranger asks, and you went over and you choked her. Sal says, yeah. Texas Ranger Smith said, you choked her until, Sal says, I heard the last breath. He says, why did you kill her? And he said, dead man leaves no tell. He's like, I'm sorry. He's dead man leaves no tell. Okay, dead man leaves no tell, which means he's like, no witnesses, no trouble. But a forensics, like uh, someone who does forensics would beg to differ because they're looking at a dead body and they can find out clues and ways to speak. To, I don't know. I've seen a lot. Yeah, of, but this motherfucker wasn't I've that seen smart. A lot of criminal minds. He wasn't that smart. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. But he wasn't that smart. I, I know they ex- extravagated, like, he was. Talk to he me. had no education. He basically did nothing but. Uh, labor work and apparently he was also child, like molested when he was a kid too so we'll get into his history too yeah i don't think he knew about forensics and all that he probably thought oh maybe i'll kill her that's it so we don't know if he actually had a friend with him or not or that was just him saying which kind of gets me back to him how he will talk about all the other crimes but he won't talk about mary b that is the death of her he's like no i don't want to put the family through any more pain so I wonder, I don't know, did he have a friend with him? Did he have an accomplice and he felt bad because he basically had to clean up his friend's mess? Or he was just a piece of shit? I would think he did it because he's had history of I mean, he sexual assaults, rapes, murder, shit. yeah, abductions, robberies. Big piece of poop. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. When San Antonio police detectives went to Del Rio on January 5th, 2000, Sells originally denied any involvement in the death of Mary B. Pettis. But on February 19th, the detectives were contacted by the Rangers and Sells had started talking about killing Mary B. Pettis and giving all the details on what happened and how it happened. Ash decided to join the chat. Ash, what do you have to say for our viewers? That's our fat cat. Queen Ash, what do you have to say to the mic? Good talk, good talk. All right. I have a list of the crimes that Tommy Linsell has committed, but I think we should get into his history a little. Now, there's not a lot about his background or his family history, but I did find some online. So, 
surprisingly, Sells was actually born with a twin. When his sister and him were 18 months, they both had meningitis, and she ended up dying. After that, his mom sent him to live with his aunt until he was five years old. He didn't really have a mother or a father. He was basically going house to house with yeah. family members who... No stable household. Yeah, no household. stable household. At age eight, he starts spending time with a man named Willis Clark, who was in the neighborhood, like a neighborhood guy. Willis? Oh, Willis? <laughs> Willis Clark. Uh, but he was later identified as a child molester. So, uh, probably molested as a child around the age of eight. Because you know how they say... Usually people who molest children have been molested. Not always, but... It's it's a cycle that... It's it's, it's a a pattern that has been been identified. Yeah. Around his teenage years, Tommy Linsell starts traveling to find work. He hops trains. He hitchhikes for, uh, for rides. He steals cars to travel. He basically does whatever he needs to do to get place to place. Any means necessary. Man, did he know H-E-B was hiring? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think it was. Oh, yeah. Literally, he could work that H-E-B. Did he, like, not know how to drive a truck? You're going to steal a car, just drive this truck and drop off the things, like, on your way. And I'm sure there was a Handy Handy back then. There was an Albertsons. You could have been a bagger. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't have a lot of education, but he could have done something. He did the minimum of labor work, basically. I would assume he wasn't a good worker, which is why he couldn't find a job. So he was a lazy piece of poop, too. Yeah, I would assume, yeah. One of the main jobs he would go and look for was working at carnivals as... A carny. A carny, yeah. He would go a lot to move town to town with the carnivals and just find local jobs. Sometimes he would just go to the city because he knew the carnival would be in town and ask for jobs that day, and they'll give it to him for the weekend. And then he'll just hop a train to the next town where they were going and do the same thing. So claims he committed his first murder when he was 16. Along with that, he ends up confessing to about 13 other crimes. They range from Missouri to Texas to Illinois. So it's just based all around. So he really went coast to coast. Along with the murder of Katie Harris, Mary B. Pettis, and the assault of Crystal Sorrells, Tommy Lynn Sells also told law enforcement that he committed other murders. We're going to run through this. So, July 1983, St. Louis, Missouri. Thomas and Colleen Gale's bodies were found beaten in their home along with their four-year-old daughter. He would kill everybody. No witnesses. What a piece of shit. A man matching Sells' description was seen leaving the Gale's home by a neighbor. So that's why they say, oh, he probably wasn't, and then he does end up confessing to it. 1985, in Missouri, again, Sells is working at a carnival when 35-year-old Ina Court invited Sells back to her place. She found him attractive. She wanted to make him dinner and get to know him. Sells claims that after sleeping with her, he woke up to her trying to rob him. After that, he beat and killed Ina and her four-year-old son. He bludgeoned the bodies so bad they were hard to identify when they were found three days later. October 13, 1997 in Lawrenceville. There's more? <laughs> There's, yeah. October 13, 1997, Lawrenceville, Illinois. This is the one I was telling you about. Ten-year-old boy, Joe Kirkpatrick, was murdered in his home. He was stabbed 12 times. His mother, Julie Ray, said she fought off the intruder and he left. She was later arrested and convicted for the murder of her son. In 2004, when Sells confessed to the murder of John... I wonder if she had any... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I wonder if she had any defensive wounds from the from the altercation of scaring him off. Or if she just fabricated about chasing him off, saying, oh, no, I chased him off, but he kind of just left in his own means yeah. to probably scare him off I versus think, fight him off. I think she did have defensive wounds, but I think they used that as evidence saying that her son was trying to fight her off. Did they not know to, like, check under the, the fingernails at that at that point? I, yeah, I, like I said, it's the 90s. I don't know. In 2000s. Things were crazy. Know what, I don't know what pro- procedure. The Y2K they were scare. Yeah, definitely. In 2004, like I said, when he confessed to the murder of John, he went and killed the boy because Julie Ray, the mom, was rude to him earlier that day at the convenience store. That's why he killed her son. So be nice to people. 
No, I mean. No, that guy just needs to like fucking not worry about what oh, no, other that, people are thinking. Yeah, like, that, in May 1987, in New York, Suzanne. Cor- yeah, this one's in New York. He's going literally everywhere. All around. Yeah, Suzanne Corks goes missing outside a Niagara Falls bar. She had got in a fight with her boyfriend, went outside to cool off, and then was never seen again. Her body was found eight years later, two miles away from the bar. Cells confessed to that murder. Where exactly was it found at? Do you know? Her body? Yeah. Like, woody area. Man, that's crazy. It took eight years. But, I mean, like, I wonder how deep in the woods it was. Because, I mean, Niagara Falls, I can imagine. They get get literally off-road with trees. Kind of like how Brack looks. How all the trees are like that. Because I I got questions to that just because by the bar, I know it's probably like a populated area, but again, him to have access to a vehicle, get the body transported to a place where it's going to be undetectable. Yeah, yeah, I just, I thought it was know? crazy. It took eight years if, to if, find if, her if, body if, if, two if, miles <clears> away. Yeah, if, if he's a drifter, but was able to have access to a vehicle, maybe it was her vehicle or... Somebody else is doing Oh, yeah, he probably robbed her vehicle, I would assume. Okay, that, that makes sense. Or had, yeah, just Rob had a stolen car. November 18th, 1987, back in Illinois. This one's also shows how much of a piece of shit he is. So, police are called to the Darden home after Russell Keith Darden, the husband of the family, failed to show up for work. Uh, when they got there, they found out his wife and son were found brutally beaten in the home. Russell was a prime suspect till they found his body a day later in a field. The crazy thing was, not only was his wife beaten, his wife was pregnant at the time. Whoever came in, when the intruder came in, he beat the wife. He beat her so bad, she had the baby. And then he beat the baby till the baby died. And then he killed their son. So the list of victims has only been women and children? And men, because he killed this guy. He killed his father, too. It's just that one? No, he kills another guy, too, later. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so he just, I'm assuming, will just kill anybody. He says, dead man leaves no doubt. He's not going to leave any witnesses. We've learned that from him. So he not only beats the wife, but he also beats the newborn baby that she ends up having, which is some really depraved stuff. Not only did he kill the husband, he killed him a day later after he killed the family, but the husband was found with a gunshot wound and his genitals had been mutilated. Which I don't know. I don't know why he mutilated his genitals. Because he's a big piece of poop. Oh that, yeah. That I mean I don't see any other reason. <laughs> he's just a big piece of poop. Yeah. I don't. It had been determined that Russell was killed an hour after his family, so he probably killed his family in front of him, or killed Kept his him. or killed his family. And then oh. he came home, saw him, and then murdered him. This sick piece of poop might have mutilated him before he died. Yeah, I think he did. Sells confesses to that murder. Then. Oh, I hope they gave him the best welcoming in prison. April 15th, 1999. Three days before Mary B. Bettis goes missing. Tommy Lynn Sells is at a co-worker's house. Was named is Thomas Bros. He's also a carnival worker. And somehow they get into an argument and he shoots him in the head. He claims that he killed his fellow co worker over an argument. I can't even remember. I can't remember what it was for, but I remember some, something so fucking stupid. Something I didn't like, want summon. Like, said it three <laughs> times. times. Yeah. It was something so dumb. So that was three days <laughs> before. <laughs> Ash, what did, you, what did you think it was? Oh my God. So okay. that was three days. Ash has left the chat. Before Mary B. Pettis goes missing. Then, April 18th, 1998, Mary B. Pettis goes missing from the Fiesta celebrations. A week later, her body is found. So it's confessed to that murder. December 31st. This is the one that gets him caught. 1999. So, in Del Rio, at, the, at, the Texas. End, at the end of the year, in mm-hmm. Del Rio. At the end of the year, in Del Rio, Texas. Katie Harris is attacked in her bed. Stabbed to death in her bedroom. Her friend Crystal is attacked and survives. Gives a description. Tommy Lynn Sells is identified. Then it is later found that Sells confesses to another murder in May of that year after Mary B. Bettis in Kentucky, where a 13-year-old girl was abducted, 
and her decomposed body was found days later in some bushes by a railroad track near her home. She was raped and murdered. Salas confessed to that murder as well and says he stole her bike and sold it for $20. And that's why he killed her. Those were the ones that he confessed to. I'm pretty sure there's so much more he could... He And the thing that's why I said was weird is he wanted to talk about all his crimes, but he refused to talk about Mary B. He refused to talk about any more details. He gave that one confession, and they asked him again and again and again, and he was like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to put the family through any more pain. Like I said, I wonder so, why, like, he didn't kill his friend who was supposed to be I know he passed out and everything, but... Yeah, if he killed that other guy for some bullshit excuse, I'm sure he killed his guy for... Trying, trying to, to suck, suck him his, off. Yeah, for real. Like, no shit. Yeah, like, where does he draw the line? Yeah, I, I, he, I don't know. Like, he, nah, man, we we, we disagree about topping, topping on a pizza. <laughs> you're dead. But if you try, but if you're trying to suck my dick, we all right, we'll man. See. You know, we'll see. We'll, 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 see. Throw we'll hands. see. We'll see. You know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, like, you know, yeah, I know, should, I know that's out of love, bro. I know that's out of love. Oh my, so like I said, he knew Katie Harris's dad. He was actually a friend of his. He would go over a lot constantly to ask questions and ask for advice about marital issues that he had with his wife. He was basically kind of like helping him and counseling him through his marriage. It is said that the night of the attack, Sells left the bar that was close to the Harris residence and then he just went there, went through a window, saw Katie, wanted to sexually assault her, tried to sexually assault her, and then he ends up killing her, attacking Crystal, but, you know, he thought Crystal was dead. He didn't think that he left any witnesses. But she survived. So and how, she was able to give a description of him. So how was his capture like, I, I wonder? They knew exactly where to find him. They found him the day. They went to his residence. And they asked, oh, Tommy Lynn Sales? He's like, yeah. Then they Tommy Lynn Sales? You're just the guy I've been <laughs> looking for. Yeah, so. I need to talk to you. The thing that's crazy is... His criminal history, he was released four times, at least four times, before he killed Mary B. Pettis. He was released four times. First time, he had theft, release. DUI, release. Malicious wounding, release. They even said he was incapable of rehabilitation, that he could never get better. He would continue to do these heinous crimes if we let him out into society. And they still let him out. They even said he didn't show any emotion, any remorse, but he wouldn't speak of Mary B. Bettis' case. I don't know why he wouldn't speak about hers. He, yeah, he, he obviously so, didn't he was, give a shit. He was so open to talk about the other ones. Yeah. And that one, it's like, no. you know. And that's like, not the youngest. He killed a newborn baby. He smashed it with a bat. He's open to talk about but that. But you won't but... talk about this one. Like, I don't understand. Something definitely fishy about there. If, if y'all have any opinions or thoughts on that, please reach out to us. And we'll... My, yeah, if you have any opinions, drop it on our Instagram, Twitter, whatever, DM me. I think unless maybe maybe a friend did sexually assault Mary B. Pettis and he saw and felt bad, was all drugged up, fell asleep, woke up, he was dead, fought off his friend, his friend left, and then he was like, oh, great, now I got to clean up your mess. And then killed her and then felt bad, you know? Because technically... He didn't want to kill her, but he had to, you know, like in, in his in, in, in his state of mind. Yeah, but then I'm like, no, I don't believe anything this piece of shit says. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, there's probably no friend with him. It was probably the cops believed yeah. it. it was just him because his Nobody friend who, he would have killed. Like, yeah, I was so like, hey, who are you gonna tell you trying to suck my Peter? Like, yeah, like, we're not only that. Like, I thought you leaving no witnesses, including yeah. your friends, obviously. A sentence Tommy Lynn Sells get. November 8th, 2000, he goes into Val Verde County. Tommy Lynn Sells pleads guilty to the attempted murder charge in Katie Harris's murder. The jury ends up, I think, discussed for about 48 hours, and they came back with a guilty verdict. Sentencing Sells to death by lethal injection. Mind you, they didn't put him to death until 2014. Yeah, he got to live a little in the... In prison, so he ended up getting death by lethal injection. Trial and story of Cells gained a lot of national media attention, mainly because Cells kept coming out and talking about all the murders he committed, and he kept saying, "Oh, I committed this one. Oh, I committed this one. I committed this one." They said he confessed to about seventy murders. The only list of victims we have, I think, is about thirteen, a little bit more than thirteen. 
What a real big piece of poop. And then Tommy Lynn Sells was indicted on a capital murder charge in Bear County in 2001, months after his Val Verde County death penalty sentence. In Bear County, though, the DA, Susan Reed at the time, agreed to drop her bid for the second death sentence that she wanted to give him and instead settle for life in prison for the confession, the guilty plea, for the rape and murder of Mary B. Pettis. He was basically going to get double I, death sentence. Do, <laughs> like, it doesn't yeah. even make sense. Uh, at, the, yeah. at that point, it makes no sense. Yeah, you know? so she's just, whatever, just tell us you did it. Give us the confession, the details. We'll give you some time. And you get life. You're going to go to death anyway. So after that, he ended up living his life in prison till April 3rd, 2014, when Tommy Lynn Sells was put to death by lethal injection. When his time came, he was given a dose of three different drugs. One was a sedative. They also gave him a form of a muscle relaxant to collapse his lungs and potassium chloride to stop his heartbeat, which... All costs $86 out of the taxpayer's pocket. What? Yeah, we're paying for this. Sellers refused to say any last words, and he refused to look at any of the victims' families that were there. The Texas Department of Criminal Justice officials pronounced Sellers dead at 6.27 p.m., about 13 minutes after he was injected with the fatal dose of the drug. That day, Mary B. Pettis' family was there. Katie Harris's family was there. Those are basically the two that kind of were the most important because those were the ones he got sentenced for. They're the reason why he's there. Before that, though, his attorneys tried to make appeals because they said that they were concerned that the they secretly made a drug. It would basically be so inhumane, he, you so know? So he could suffer. So they were like, yeah. So they're like, no, y'all made a drug where he's going to suffer and we want to appeal it to where he doesn't get death. Like, nope, he's getting death. And then they put him to death. Katie Harris, adopted father, did say he looked forward to the day they put Tommy Lynn Sells to death. He said that the family had a bottle of champagne and they intended to use it to toast to remember Katie's death. He even said it'll be uncorked the minute Tommy Lynn Sells is executed. So at least they got some justice. They got some closure, yeah. Yeah. John Torres, Mary B's grandfather, said, We all have suffered so many years. It's payback time. So I guess they were happy with the verdict. They were happy with what happened. Personally, I don't even know if I could, would want a death sentence or have them live out a life in prison. But as you can tell, every year is hard for her family because every year fiesta comes. And we're reminded, and her family remembers, all the people who witnessed her story remember her. One of the things that her family did try to work is giving tips to locals or anybody who does go to fiesta or any festivals, basically, if you're taking your kid out in public, they you, would... Just keep your loved ones close. So we'll give you some tips. Mary B's family does say it's never going to go away because every year fiesta comes. And we remember. So it must be really hard every year. But the family did work close with the Heidi Search Center and fiesta organizers to raise awareness of child abductions and the importance of fingerprinting children. I remember my parents took me to go get fingerprinted and oh, DNA yeah. swab, and they kept everything. Oh yeah, the, the cop came to and our, I had an ID. The cop came to our uh, elementary and did that. Oh really? Yeah. We do got some fiesta tips or tips in general if you're taking your kids out to festivals, any events that is going to be out in public. So here are some preventative measures that are going to help you. You go to Fiesta or to any event, take a picture of your child and the outfit that they are wearing, specifically their shoes, because I've learned that is the one thing that the abductors are not going to be able to change. They're not going to be able to change your shoes. They'll bring other clothes, maybe another outfit, but they never think of bringing shoes. You know, they're kind of expensive. So That makes sense. Take a picture of your kid. Take a picture of the outfit they're wearing before you go out accompany your child to the bathroom don't let your kids go with their older siblings or just with their sibling take your child to the bathroom i don't know why i would have to say that one just take your child to the bathroom don't let them wander off alone stay vigilant and if your child has a phone you can enable a location sharing app that's actually the best one to have yeah i know some people have teenagers and obviously you don't want to be with your parents at least answer your phone. That's a, I think that's the parents' pet peeve is when you don't answer their calls. 
Those are some tips that you can use if you're going out to any festivals. I think I have two suggestions that could help. Mind you, I am no way, I guess, a professional in this field or anything like that. <laughs> like, but my suggestion is either way. One, I say travel in like somewhat of a group, like two to three people, you know, more eyes on kids. Yeah. If you're a single parent, take somebody with you to help you keep eyes on yeah, your children. Yeah, take an aunt, an uncle, something. Yeah. If y'all, if y'all have that device where if you lose a key, you're able to find it on, through your phone, maybe attach it to their key loop or somewhere where they can't see. I'd... I saw a movie back in the day. I, I want to say it was uh, the first kid with with, with uh, is it Sinbad. Yeah. Uh, he had gave the kid a piece of jewelry that had a GPS device, you know, and that's that's how he was. That is how he was able to find him in the mall. Because yeah. You just tracked the GPS device. Yeah, I think they have this thing now. You can put a chip in your kid's shoe now. Yeah, I rather you do trap track your kid like that. Yeah, but yeah. that doesn't mean, all right, you're tracked, like... Put go, him on a leash. Go on or off. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I will not judge any parent oh, yeah, so what who, you... puts, who puts their child on a leash. Yeah, so what are, your opinion, what, are y'all, what are y'all's opinions about parents who put their children on leashes? I can't have an opinion. We don't have kids, so I can't have an opinion. Oh, yeah, I mean, just, like, the people who do have kids. I'm just, the, like, if you I want to hear both sides. If you, you need know, it, both sides use of it. it. I'd rather your child be safe, strapped to you. Oh, of course. Whatever means... Then, Found somewhere else, not with you. Whatever it means to help you, you and your child are safe, yeah. take it, you know? So, that was our episode two. That was a case of Mary B. Betty's. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, no, we we got to do the weekly lookout. At the end of every episode of Killer Chasement, we will be doing a weekly lookout, which is basically this week's missing person, missing people. So, that way, if you have any information, get to SAPD website, call them, whatever. Let them know if you have any tips. Our weekly lookout this week is going to be, well, we already got her. 20-year-old Delaney Sherries. We are actually on the lookout for her son, James Sherries. I think that's how you say it. San Antonio police had found and arrested the mother, Delaney Sherries, who had been missing with her 18-month-old child since January. Recently, SAPD found her, arrested her for child neglect. She's refusing to talk. She's refusing to say anything about her child. The only thing she will say is that she's already gave the child up for adoption, but she said she's she has given him to different people. So she keeps making up stories, multiple stories. Like, I gave him to this person, I gave him to this person, I gave him to this person. If you have seen little James in the San Antonio area, Texas area, anywhere, please contact the San Antonio Police Department or your local law enforcement and let them know if you have any tips. Like I said, 18-month-year-old James Sherry's was last seen with his mom in the San Antonio area. It was until Monday when she was brought in and her child is still missing. There was security footage at a Walgreens near Marbach that said that she was with the child in there around February 21st, but then they did come back and say that she was actually alone. She's refusing to answer any of the police questions about the child's whereabouts. Instead, she's discussed wanting to give him up for adoption. She does say she didn't want to be a mom. She said the baby needed to be in a better place. She has said that she's given the baby up to multiple people. She's just providing inconsistent statements. They did say that when they did warrant to search her house, the crib sheet was found with blood on it, along the child's car seat was also found with blood in it. So it was a stroller. And if you see a picture of the house... It's completely trash. It's neglectful. She neglected that house. She neglected that child. She on drugs or something? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering if she was on drugs. I don't know if she was just depressed. You know, maybe had um, postpartum depression. I don't know. It reminds me of that woman on... You said, said postpartum. It reminds me of uh, the woman and the baby on... Oh, Wild. yes. Baby Scotty, yeah. What's the name of the street? Uh, Wayside Baby. Wayside yes, we're going to talk about the Wayside Baby. That's another one. It's another episode, so yes. look out for that one as well. Yeah, that one, will maybe we'll do that one next. That one's a pretty crazy one, too. Yes, be on the lookout for little James. They did do a search in Pearsall Park, about 500 acres, but they didn't find any signs of the baby. And this was around the time when they were looking for the mom, and they didn't find any signs of her. Somehow, they I don't even know where she came out. They did have footage of her on a Via bus, and she was alone. And then after that, they found her, and they said the investigation is still active. 
Somebody has to know something. She said she gave the baby up to multiple people. If you do have the baby, please come out and say something. At least let uh, SAPD know. I'm sure they'll let you keep the baby. They'd rather the baby be with someone who wants them than them, obviously the mother who doesn't. So if you know anything about Delaney Sherry's or James Sherry's, please go ahead and contact the San Antonio Police Department uh, Missing Persons Unit at 210-207-7660. And we want to thank you for tuning in to our second episode. Thank the Live Studio audience for being in attendance. <laughs> thank you for tuning in and we will have our next episode hopefully next week this one took a little bit longer we've been busy it's been crazy but yes please stay tuned make sure to follow us on instagram at killer Cheeseman, twitter at killer Cheeseman. check us out on spotify go ahead and search killer Cheeseman. you'll find our first episode and you'll also have this episode on there Check us out on our website, www.killercheesman.com. Leave likes, leave some comments. Let me know what you like about the show. Give us feedback. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know what cases you want to do. If you have any San Antonio cases that you know of and you want us to do. Like you said, we had Wayside Baby and we'll probably do that one soon. Yes, and also don't hop on trains. Don't hop on trains, guys. That's going to be our... Quote for this episode. Yep. Actually, that might be the episode name. Don't, <laughs> Don't hop, hop on, on trains. trains. Oh, man. Well, All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. Stay tuned for more episodes. Yes. Be gonna, safe. You know. Be safe. Be aware. Stay vigilant. Safety in numbers. Don't hop on trains. Don't hop on trains. <laughs> Bye. Bye.